A Call Confessions is brought to you commercial-free through the generous support of our patrons. Visit occultconfessions.com and click on Donate to keep the history of the occult on the digital airwaves. On the 25th of April, 1999, between 10 and 16,000 Falun Gong, or Law Wheel Cultivation Believers, clutching the little blue book of Li Hongxing, gathered outside the Chinese Communist Party's headquarters in Beijing. They stayed from dawn until well after sunset for what was the largest public protest in China since the 1989 democracy movement that resulted in the Tiananmen Square massacre. These were the practitioners of an energy cultivation practice, not entirely unlike Tai Chi, but far more subversive in the eyes of the state, and their protest incensed Chinese authorities. Over the next seven years, the Chinese Communist Party would see more than 800,000 Falun Gong believers arrested and just over 3,000 killed. For the Chinese authorities, Falun Gong, or Law Wheel Cultivation, was a dangerous devil cult, worthy of persecution, decreed from the very top of the government and party structure. Today, on Occult Confessions, we try and figure out why? My name is Dr. Robert C. Thompson, joined this day by Savannah Barrett, sister of the 84th degree. Hello. How's it going, Savannah? You heard about these Falun Gong folks? Uh, when you texted me and said, we're going to talk about Falun Gong, you, and I was like, yep, I the... definitely know what that is. Oh, you do? <laughs> no. Nope. Oh, you didn't know. I was sarcastic. Oh, you were being sarcastic. <laughs> she had oh, me fooled. Oh, see, I believed you. <laughs> oh! I thought you really knew some things. No. Shannon, you, it's just Shannon Landers, our Instaquisitor. Hello. Welcome back. Uh, it's been a few episodes. Tell us, uh, have you heard of the Falun Gong? I have not. Really? So sometimes if you go through Washington, D.C. or uh, sundry other cities, you may come across them. They're often showing graphic photographs of what has happened to their fellow members in China and asking for support. Really? Yeah, you've never come across these folks. Sometimes mm -hmm. they're staging protests. They'll hold a sign. It could be like five or six of them together or larger groups. They used to be in D.C. a lot. No. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I don't think we spend a crazy amount of time in D.C., but no. yeah. I've you never, never seen know. that. I'm sure some of our listeners have come across the Falun Gong. Uh, but, 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 I mean, this is uh, the driving question for today's episode. You know, we, we often in this country go around saying, oh, that that's, those people are in a dangerous cult, or, or that's a dangerous cult. But, you know, these folks, we're going to learn um, the definition, the, the words dangerous cult can be used to... Uh, criminalize people who may not otherwise be doing anything we would consider immoral or criminal. Yeah, like Dungeons and Dragons. Right, like Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> exactly. Just like that. Let's pledge it out. We the members of, of the, the Secret, Secret Order, Order of Alchemical, Alchemical Actors do solemnly commit ourselves to a full and honest telling of the history of the occult as far as we know it. Very nice. All right, let's see this, if you can do this together now. Uh, Shannon, I don't know if we've if you were here since we've changed this. We don't do the plugs anymore. We just open up the Order of Confessors, but we do it by making various sounds. Oh, so it's no longer just the plug, plug, plug? No, you can do whatever you want. Oh, so yeah. we're just, oh, okay. Yeah, you want to take the lead or you want Savannah to? Okay. Somebody's got to provide support and somebody takes the lead. Okay. Which one do you want? Um, I, I will support Savannah. Go ahead, Savannah. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> that was very supportive, yes. 
I can't see, but I'm doing by I gestured my hand. Do you feel supported, Savannah? Yeah, I do. I feel really supported. I'm just not happy with it. I wanted a lightsaber sound, and it sounded more like a oh, race okay. car, and I'm disappointed. Oh, if you're sound. I'm disappointed in myself. No, yeah. not you. You did a fine <laughs> job, soul. Shannon. Yes, you did a great Wait, job. No, that's not lightsaber either. <laughs> this is scintillating. Uh, we want to welcome a few uh, new patrons. Sean S. and Sugar Bear. Someone saved my life tonight. Frederick E. and Elias Wait, D. Someone saved my life tonight is the name of someone? No, no, it's Sugar Bear. Oh, uh, oh. It's, it's an Elton John song. Oh. oh, I thought you needed someone to... I thought you were asking for help. Someone <laughs> saved my life tonight. All hearts and love from hashtag smile up there in the Canadas. Also, Whiskers93 gives us a 1010. Would recommend LOL. <laughs> Not sure what the LOL is about. Hell yeah. <laughs> they think we're funny. Yeah, LOL. Thanks, Whiskers93. Thanks, smile hashtag smile thank you everyone yeah Yay. seriously because uh, spotify every day we're getting new folks uh giving us them reviews and and you don't get to write there you just get to star us uh so we, we all we can say is thank you all of you <laughs> so we, yes thank you so much uh, but here's the thing about that because uh long time listeners will know i'm very competitive about these things and i have discovered that we are just about a hundred uh ratings on spotify away from a popular conspiracy podcast uh who i consider to be a, a secret rival of mine and i'm not i can't mention this can't mention names don't want to get involved in any of that so I certainly don't want to promote the show um but if friends listeners dear spotify friends help me catch this freaking show it, it's one of those shows that promotes conspiracy theories oh, it started as such an it's so annoying you can help us overtake this son of a gun <laughs> yes please help us rob has been keeping us held captive <laughs> until this until happens this yeah ha- <laughs> i'm so hungry we're living off of pop tarts and yeah Capri that's Sun. all i feed them is pop tarts i know how to make nicer stuff but i just don't feel like it <laughs> So, so give us those Spotify hearts uh, of any any number or duration. Five hearts, uh, stars is, is certainly welcome. But uh, anyhow, help us help us catch this, this person. All right, get us out of here. Oh, more sounds. Pew pew pew. <laughs> <laughs> that was elegant. Is what that, that was. That was great. <laughs> All right. Nailed it. <laughs> All right, so uh, we had some fun. Now we got to talk about Falun Gong, which can be this is going to be some dark stuff. Um, you know, and I want to make just a quick note: we aren't doing many voice parts in this series, uh, and and that is in part because some of this very dark material people die, uh, and often the voice parts, although they're not always, they can often be serious, but usually we have a bit of fun with the voice parts. We're also going to other countries, uh, so it gets more difficult to to, to voice parts. So. Anyhow, so if you're if you're missing our voice actors, they won't be gone for long. They'll be back next series, but we won't we just won't be hearing much of that this time around. Falun Gong estimates its membership at thirty million in Beijing, and one hundred million worldwide. Wow, You're serious guys, that's a lot. Yeah, it was founded by former provincial government official Li Hongzi in 1992. So he's just a civil servant. He's just like you know, working at the DMV one day or MVS. And uh, one day he's like, uh, God. Whoa. Yeah. Wow, what an upgrade. What a promotion. <laughs> what a promotion, yeah. <laughs> from, from the motor vehicle services to, <laughs> to a profit, yeah. 
Lee had been practicing Qigong, which is a series of exercises designed to cultivate energy. You guys heard of Qigong? People do do it in the U.S. Mm -hmm. No, it's it's a little bit like Tai Chi. It's a different style. I mean, I'm sure we know some anime bullshit that it's probably based (laughs) off of. Yeah, yeah, and it's Qigong. uh, You know, it's it's about moving the energy in your body to you know for your health and and that kind of stuff. Oh, just like Tai Chi. Yeah. Uh, but he'd been doing that uh, for 40 years, Lee had. Uh, and he'd recently been transferred to work in uh, Jilin's Grain Bureau when he developed. So it wasn't the DMV. It was, uh, <laughs> it was like the Ag- Department of Agriculture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still, though. Same idea. <laughs> Good Ma- promotion. Man at a desk stamping papers. When does the Lego store be- employee become a god <laughs> become, next? Well, you let us know. <laughs> okay, let us let know. know. It's It's up to God. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it! <laughs> he did. He became like a Buddha. So, um, so not a god. He became like a Buddha. Oh, okay. So, he developed his own form of qigong. Then, so he'd been doing it for a while, and he said, ah, "I think I, I've got my own ideas about this." And his qigong combined its teachings with Buddhism and Taoism into a system whose popularity then grew through the '90s to attract millions of adherents. So, you know, he just had this revelation: I'm going to do my own system of beliefs and practices, sort of like qigong, but it's going to bring in Buddhism and Taoism. Uh, and you know, some listeners who've heard me talk about China before, uh, basically there are three fundamental philosophies in China: Confucianism, Buddhism, and Taoism that have been, you know, competing and alternately rising to the to the to the fore and being the the dominant philosophy in China on and off for like two thousand five hundred years. So pulling together Taoism and Buddhism into one idea, that's going to be pretty appealing. That touches mm-hmm. the the Chinese soul. Uh, so that, that's in part, I think, why it was so popular. Qigong, very popular, and then bringing in these other ideas. He's just, you know, syncretizing the heck out of this. And it's going well for him. So throughout Falun Gong's history, Li has insisted that the movement is actually not a religion, but rather a cultivation practice, or Zui, X-U-I-L-I-A-N, Zui Lian. I'm, of course, terrible with Chinese. Uh, and I can get in trouble for pronunciations. Let me tell you, the Chinese language is incredibly difficult. And the tone and uh, the tone of your voice when you speak a syllable can change the word. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I, I do understand how the Chinese language functions, but I do not pretend to be an expert speaker uh, at all. There is no hierarchy aside from the reverence of Lee himself. Uh, he receives a, a bit of, you know, they're like, ah, oh, he's the founder. But otherwise, there's no priests or anything. Mm. Uh, no clergy. All members are essentially lay believers. By lay, we mean you know, just regular folks, not monks or priests. or Everyone's just a regular believer. Because mm. it's not a religion in his mind. I mean, it's also true in China that the boundary between religion and philosophy is super blurry. Confucianism sometimes feels like a religion with ancestor worship involved and Confucius regarded as a semi-deity and other times it's just a philosophy. Depends on who you talk to. Hmm. And the same believer could hold opinions that sort of push it back and forth between religion and philosophy. So Lee's not unique in saying it's not a religion and for it to be very religion-y in our eyes as western people i mean that's my favorite kind of religion yeah. <laughs> one, one that's, that's not a, not a religion <laughs> <laughs> so everyone's like 
an equal. Yeah. There's no hierarchy in this. Nope. All right. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, you can be better or worse at the techniques, of course, mm -hmm. but that doesn't change anything about how you function in the organization necessarily. So let's talk about what they believe. That's always fun. Believers hold that our universe is part of a vast multiverse or megaverse. So far, so good. We've made a similar case on the show. At the edge of the multiverse is a void that destroys all beings who enter it. Isn't this uh, the plot of uh, Doctor Strange? I'm stop. I was literally just like, this sounds so much like the Loki TV show. Oh, okay. Because uh, oh, the MCU is doing so much multiverse stuff. Doctor Strange sucked, but Loki was good. <laughs> but, I've only yeah, seen the bit at of the Doctor very Strange. end. So like Loki. I'm not going to get, I'm sorry, I'm not going to get too much into it. But at the very end, like, he got to the end of the universe and it, there was a monster there that would literally just, like, eat everything. So, like, yeah, yeah. so it's, like, kind of the same principle. Like, but like he this. had to get past the monster to get to the dude who wrote the timeline. This is essentially Falun Gong. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, so <laughs> I have done my research. <laughs> because when you get past the void, there's the realm of the gods. Whoa. The gods, the Buddhas, and the Taos, those who have mastered the Tao reside beyond the void but the void is destructive so yeah yeah that's interesting sort of like because that. that's exactly almost what happened except there was just one dude falun gong they owe lee some some residuals <laughs> sure <laughs> yeah good luck getting that from disney but <laughs> <laughs> the megaverse uh is both outside beyond the limits of our universe and also inside encapsulated in microverses that exist within the tiniest grains of sand this is a dr seuss book yeah that's it, where the grinch lived in a in a snowflake <laughs> yes, that's exactly the one i was thinking of <laughs> and these and horton heard the grinch in that snowflake and these these microverses contain their own microverses and on and on and on so you know, sitting on on this table, there is a little particle of something, that little spot on the table. Inside there is a whole universe. That's kind of terrifying. And inside <laughs> that universe is a whole other universe. This is a Rick and Morty episode. I was just about to say that too. <laughs> I think Stephen Colbert did a voice on that one. Was it like the slavery with extra steps or something? Oh, yeah, they, he was. They were in a battery. They were yes, powering his powering his, his car. car. Yeah. <laughs> so. We exist both in this dimension and we exist in a parallel dimension. So we have parallel selves who are better than us. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Except for Shannon. Her parallel self's not as cool as she is. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Someone thinks I'm cool? <laughs> Your parallel self hell keeps yeah. looking over at you and being like, damn. One day, buddy. I'll get there. I'll get there. So they're better than us morally. They are more beautiful than us. And they are unconcerned with fame or fortune. So, yeah, we got to get over this podcasting game. <laughs> Be more like our parallel selves. Uh, they got, we got to quit asking for patrons. Our parallel <laughs> selves never ask for patrons. Started episode. We need to beat this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We need Sorry. more patrons than our parallel self. And to be more famous than them and have more listeners. <laughs> Oddly, our connection to these bodies is dependent on racial purity. Children born to parents of different ethnicities lose that link. Mm. Yeah, a bit of a boo there. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> boo. <laughs> so, <laughs> a little bit of racism in our Falun Gong. You know, China is China, so I'm not going to let them off the hook here at all. <laughs> but the United States has to deal with 
the multiracial culture, I think, in a way that the Chinese, they still do, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of blend in Chinese uh, ethnicity, but anyhow. Boo, indeed. Uh, water is I the... Be, I can... Oh, no. I can think... Concur. Well, that was I, the word. I, I concur. I said it dumb. Thine boo has to been concurred. Uh, water is the origin of all matter in life. Water? Okay. But it's not water as we know it. It's like spiritual water. Mm. It's water, he says, that does not ripple when you throw something into it. So it is the ground. <laughs> I was thinking like that cornstarch. You make that cornstarch stuff that like is goopy when you pick it up, and it just you ever do that? absorbs it in. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, cor- it's cornstarch, uh, or the ground. Sure. Uh, we're, we're giving Lee a real hard time. Sorry. Earth, well, he did. He we was did a little racist this so. morning, so I'm still like right. still on fire here. <laughs> Earth was created for human beings who are alone in our ability to trace our origins to the highest levels of the universe. So we're derived from the highest level of, of the universe, a bit of hermeticism. By deviating from our cosmic qualities through immoral acts, humans have descended to the earthly plane. Also theosophy. Wait, could you say that last thing? So we, we're, we're descended from the gods, mm-hmm. uh, but we, through immorality across the generations, we've slowly descended down to earth to become what we are. Oh, interesting. So Your we're Honor, the lowest? We are pretty low. We're not the lowest because there's worms and stuff. But oh, okay. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it could get worse. Here on earth, the species has suffered a series of cataclysms that arise every time humanity degenerates and needs to start again. Like, for example, the great biblical flood. Uh, that's always our go-to cataclysm. Uh, it's also a Hindu principle, the, bibli- the, the flood. <laughs> not, the, not a biblical flood in that case, the Vedic flood. Uh, various other traditions also believe that there was a great flood. So Lee is sort of tapping into that. A planet-wide restart has happened 81 times, sometimes involving complete planetary destruction and then reconstruction. Mm. Reconstructive planeting. Man, so every religion is just like, fuck the dinosaurs, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Every single one. That sucks. They're really cool. (laughs) Well, I mean, they were here. He's not saying they were never here, but... No, but you know what? Like, they killed them. They're like, yeah, no, you guys are not it. Had to be reconstructed. (laughs) throws a meteor at him the good people of earth in these instances were moved off to other worlds so maybe there were people with the dinosaurs and they just got picked up and scooped away Mm. the good ones (laughs) the shannons of the world (laughs) got scooped up the parallel selves left behind um there is life on every star and planet says lee but we aren't aware of it because it exists on different dimensions so if you look at Mm. jupiter there's jupiterians we just can't see them they're invisible no, they're on a different plane. Right, yeah. Well, they're invisible to us. They're just, they're on a different plane. That doesn't mean they're invisible. <laughs> to, to, I'm fighting with you on this right, one. Fine. That's D&D logic. It's like when you're on a different plane, you're not invisible. You're just on a different plane. But you're invisible to me. No, you're just not there. You're not on the same plane. <laughs> you're in a different place. <laughs> Rob's like, I don't see them, so they're invisible. And Savannah's like, they're just not here. <laughs> That's why you don't but see them. somewhere. So these, these transplanted humans developed advanced interdimensional technology, but were driven by greed and lust to initiate what Lee calls Star Wars. Oh, hey, I started the episode with trying to make Star Wars noises. Yeah, so, so you're on top. I'm wearing a Star Wars jacket. 
or <laughs> conflict between star systems and planets. So maybe George Lucas was tapping into that some... That was actually his first draft was called that. Was... Yeah. <laughs> about... Little known fact. <laughs> star Wars or conflict between star systems and planets. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. The space humans have dark designs for Earthbound humanity as well, namely assimilating us and replacing us with clones. So that's mm. what our space brethren would like to do to us. Why? What would the clones do? Uh, they would just be up. <laughs> yeah, it sounds kind of redundant, doesn't it? Yeah. I don't know why they want to do that. They don't like us. Damn it. The universe is made up of the moral principle of Zen Shan Ren, or so Zen Shan Ren, three separate things, and they translate to truth, benevolence, and forbearance. I've never heard that last word before. I got you. Lee believes that Zen Sha Ren encompasses and surpasses both Taoism, uh, at, which focuses on truth, and Buddhism, which focuses on compassion. It's a little bit reductive, I think, of both Taoism and Buddhism, but okay. Since Lee's system includes both truth and compassion, or truth and benevolence, he adds forbearance, which he defines sort of like tolerance, into the mix. Mm, okay. So he says, because Buddhism just has the compassion and uh, Taoism just has the truth, but I've got the truth and the compassion, and I even added another thing. Clearly, my religion is better. But it's not a religion. But it's not a religion, yes. <laughs> but my philosophy up? is superior. That is interesting. But I feel like benevolence and like almost like patience work together. Yeah, in a Confucian sense, I think you're already covered on with benevolence. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. But- and I would suggest that the Buddhists have their truths, like they meditate and stuff, and you know the Zen stuff and all that would be very truth-oriented, seeking truth. It's not just about compassion. Mm-hmm. In fact, Buddhism is often accused of being sort of self-centered until you get around to the compassion side. So it's his take on it. Yeah. Okay. Illness and pain are as a result of karma, which accumulates from immoral acts. Suffering removes the karma. And so being on the receiving end of violence can be a way of cleansing karma. That's important because when we get to these protesters, they are often going to be on the receiving end of some violence. So it's their belief that this is good for them. Hmm. The rising predominance of Qigong, Falun Gong, and the process of self-cultivation show that the end times are near. So the mere fact that he has become popular shows that we are coming to the end of the world. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Individuals can... But he said that? He said that, yeah. When he made it. When did he make it again? He's pushing us toward the... It's basically the 90s. Oh, okay. Is when it becomes a big thing. So his idea is that he has arrived at the end of time. He's not the Mm. first one to say this. Oh, Yeah, I mean... Yeah. It's it's an apocalyptic viewpoint. So I guess I have a question. So so they're trying to escape the apocalypse, but... Don't they kind of embrace bad things happening to them for karma? Yeah, so <laughs> that's true. Yeah, but okay. I mean, if you've been real good, I guess if you cleanse it all out, that'll be better. So, you know, if, you, if you're just getting beat up on the street by Chinese authorities, that'll be better than whatever would happen to you during the apocalypse. Mm. Okay. So you want to get good and clean. So, so in the grand the scheme of things, yeah. these like karma things happening to you. You want to cleanse yourself okay, out before the, the apocalypse old- is coming. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be a nicer apocalypse for you. You'll say, oh, what a lovely apocalypse we're having. (laughs) It's a little hot, but you know, (laughs) could be worse. There are are five key Falun Gong exercises. 
Buddha's showing the thousand hands. That's the name of the exercise. That's designed to stretch your mind and your body. Falun standing stance, which is for tranquil movement. There's an exercise called penetrating the two cosmic extremes. That is for melding the body with the cosmos. There is Falun heavenly circulation, and that is for circulating energy throughout your body. And uh, strengthening supernormal powers is the name of the last one, and that's to get you all supernatural, have supernatural abilities. It's pretty straightforward, that one. Yes. (laughs) Otherwise, the names are a little cryptic, but yeah. These supernatural abilities, by the way, in the last case, aren't verifiable by physical means because they are based in another dimension. Yeah, they're man. Not invisible. No, nope, they're on a different. They're dimension. on a different plane. Yeah. <laughs> Practitioners must also study. <laughs> but that's also like so you cast a spell here, and then like a little fireball appears just out of nowhere in the other plane. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's like if we wanted to, you know. I don't know, send Shannon's parallel self some flowers. We could do it. I'd be like, I did it. Flower! And then she's sitting <laughs> there reading a book, and then it's like, <laughs> <laughs> Right, in the, on the other plane. Yeah, yeah, so I'm looking out for my parallel self. Yeah, well, we are. We're sending her flowers. Yeah. There you go. Let's she say we did that. It. Here, we, She's welcome. Uh, <laughs> these, anyhow. Practitioners must also study Falun Dafa, uh, which is the laws of the universe. If a believer masters the craft of cultivation, he or she becomes a god or Buddha. Lee himself has achieved a kind of transcendence, and he, he is able to place the law wheel within the bodies of his followers. The wheel is a left-handed swastika located in the lower abdomen and concretizes the great law of the universe. So if you're like, a, you know, he's, you become a Falun Gong believer, you commit yourself to Falun Gong, Lee comes by and he sticks a wheel inside of you, mm. the, the cultivation wheel. And it's got the little swastika. Don't get hung up on the swastika. That's a Buddhist idea, Buddhist symbol. He's not into fascism. If it's facing the other way, it means it's like peace and stuff like that. Like it's like yeah, a good yeah. symbol. Yeah. But yeah. if you did it the way the Nazis did it, then it's bad. Yeah. Lee's remarkable cultivation energy has also allowed him to form what are called law bodies, which are extensions and duplicates of Lee, except they have curly blue hair and saffron robes. And he sends them out to guide and protect and treat his believers across the globe. So the law body just shows up with flowers. And blue hair. And blue hair. That's really cool. Curly blue hair. (laughs) Curly blue hair. The law bodies are unique to Lee. Uh, The Buddhas can do them. The Tao masters can do them. Gods can do them. Uh, But just those guys. Lee has incarnated as himself many times, and he's no longer subject to the laws of reincarnation, says the belief system. So Lee is uniquely powerful among all his believers. Hmm. He's a bit like these other, you know, Buddhas and So he's like the final stage... For these, for Falun Gong, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's the ultimate. And he's the only one who's made it that far? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But he can also help you. So if you, like, move to... He's in the U.S. Uh, we'll get there, but... You he's know, alive? He was in the United States. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I uh, thought you meant, like, he's literally alive, like, right now. I'm I think sorry. so, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, But he can... Like, if his Chinese followers are going through some trials, even though he's not in China, he can send his law bodies to... Mm. help him out so that's the how the law body principle mm. works in practice all right so let's get to the conflict between falun gong and the state of china uh, the chinese people's republic of china 
1996, Lee's seminal text, Rotating the Law Wheel, sold over a million copies. This alarmed Chinese authorities, because they were like, this guy's getting pretty powerful and pretty popular. Falun Gong is taken off, and that gets us nervous. We don't like things taking off that aren't communism. (laughs) In July, the government banned the sale of four Falun Gong publications. In November, the government recognized Qigong group. So this is a group, like an official group, that like certifies Qigong practices. And Falun Gong was in the group because they had a Qigong practice, Qigong-esque practice. But they removed Falun Gong from their confederacy. Mm. So, you know, like all the occult podcasts sometimes get together. That'd be like if the occult podcast got together and they were like, occult confessions, you're out of the party. Because you've offended the occult overlords. Dang it. (laughs) Well, they didn't do that. It's hypothetical. And in 1998, Li Hongzi emigrated to the u.s as i said possibly at the suggestion of party officials so some communists may have been like you know you should probably just go (laughs) he took a hint he left i mean that's a little bit nicer than just you know killing him yes (laughs) considering the alternatives yeah i think he was so powerful that they didn't or so popular they didn't want him to become a martyr so Uh, yeah it was you know that's fair have him go in april of 1999 uh, he Zhu Zhu of the Chinese Science Academy published an article in the obscure Science and Technology for Youth magazine. <laughs> so it's so interesting, uh, in which he accused Falun Gong of being a superstitious cult. Now this is the origin for that huge protest I was talking about at the beginning. This little article in the Science and Technology for Youth magazine. It's like Highlights magazine, but like nerdier. What? Yeah. So, a small group of followers demanded a retraction. So, like, a guy who gets this magazine for his kids saw the article and, like, told his friends of Falun Gong. And then these little, these little group of Falun Gong people were like, you must retract your words spoken against us. And the magazine was like, nuh-uh, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> this is for the youth. So then they came to the offices of the magazine, the Falun Gong folks, uh, and they stood outside of their offices in Tianjin to protest. That protest, it's like, you know, eight guys, grew to 6,000 people. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's probably more people than read the magazine. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. You may be right. There's more youths than, than the magazine even attracts. <laughs> and on April the 23rd, the local government removed one one of the pro- protesters so the municipal go- cops come in take away one protester so then members of the group complained that they took away a guy so the police beat them and then they arrested 10 of them two days later in beijing falun gong's members arrived to request that the beijing government central government liberate the people that had been arrested in tianjin and legally recognize falun gong and lift their ban on falun gong literature and after that, we had the huge protest of April 1999. So that brings us to April, um, April 23. Uh, so there you go. Biggest protest in Beijing since Tiananmen Square. It began with that little article Wow. in the Science and Technology for Youth magazine. That's so interesting. Isn't it? Yeah. That's so, like, did it become a bloodbath? 
like was like did they beat the crap out of them oh or yeah like... it was it was a bloody mess it, within two it was april 25th was the day of the of the actual protest and and yeah it was unpleasant but we don't like i can speak only vaguely about i mean what's about to follow what i'm about to talk about i don't i we have to guess because even the tiananmen square massacre were guessing oh wow how many victims there were because the chinese government doesn't tell the rest of the world the absolute truth i mean think about covid we don't actually know how many people had covid in china or how many people died we can guess and i've been seeing stuff online about people being like literally locked in their houses for like an entire month and stuff and they literally are like taping the door shut so they can't leave and stuff shit's crazy i had a question i'm just curious Mm -hmm. when um they were protesting did they wear anything like for the protest specifically, I, I know sometimes. Make t-shirts sometimes. I I don't know. I'm not going to say everybody did. But I mean, it's like masks and stuff, you know. Because yeah. like they tell us now that when we go to protest, to wear fucking like gas mask and shit. Oh yeah. I guess I was like curious, like during this whole thing, if they were like wearing anything. Like I imagine them just showing up as is. Yeah. I mean, that's really enough because mm-hmm. it's so unusual to see anybody protesting anything in China. Mm-hmm. So. Maybe they had a logo T-shirt. I, I don't think they, they weren't a uniform. They were <laughs> something, somebody something had, to unify themselves. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So that brings us to Jiang Zemin, who was president of the People's Republic of China from 1993 to 2003. They generally served for 10 years until most recent uh, Chinese leader. Uh, Jiang Zemin was deeply agitated by the movement, and during the 1999 protests, he actually asked to be driven around the protests in his limousine and watched them through his tinted windows. Whoa! So he like he actually did that? Yes. Oh wow! Yes, the president Yeesh. of China was driving through these six six thousand people. Zhang was one of China's most enthusiastic leaders when it came to pursuing the Communist Party's atheistic policies. Beginning with the communist takeover in 1949, the Communist Party pursued a program of state atheism and actively purged Buddhists, Christians, and Muslim organizations, among others, and then sent the members for what they called re-education, which we talked about in our cult brainwashing episode, but uh, essentially, uh, you know, very violent, difficult concentration camp kind of situation. Um, You probably are not there to die you're probably there to be re-educated but n- nobody's changing your mind about anything no you're just scared yeah beaten, God, and then they put awful. you back mao zedong said our god is none other than the masses of the chinese people In the chapter on women in the quotations of Mao Zedong, or as it's known to all Chinese people beginning in grade school, the Little Red Book, which I have a copy of in my office, not out of respect for Mao, but because I teach about China and I bring it in, picked it up when I was in Beijing. Uh, Mao labeled religion one of the four authorities, namely political, family, religious, and masculine that are, quoting Mao, the embodiment of the whole feudal patriarchal ideology and system and are the four thick ropes binding the Chinese people, particularly the peasants. So these were the negative forces that needed to, communism needed to sweep away hmm. from the very first days here and, and central to communist ideology. I mean, there, there continues to be a deep reverence for Mao Zedong and his Little Red Book and reading the Little Red Book in school and and that kind of thing. So these ideas, you know, like biblical to, to communist Chinese. 
In addition to re-educating Falun Gong members with Marxist materialism and atheism, President Jiang pursued a draconian program of religious control over occupied Tibet. So just as a parallel, I know we're talking about Falun Gong, but I just want you to understand how passionate President Jiang was about annihilating people's religious beliefs. Tibetan Buddhists and Falun Gong believers preoccupied him as a threat that needed to be stamped out. In Tibet, he declared martial law and decreed that Chinese authorities would need to approve future incarnations of any lamas. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Holy crap. I mean, the Chinese will, I've said this before, but when the Dalai Lama dies, Mm -hmm. the Chinese Mm -hmm. will name a lama. Mm -hmm. And then the Tibetans will name a lama in exile. Man, me and religion have a very interesting relationship, but like, it's just... It's, I don't know. I just like, that just makes let you people uncomfortable. Live, yeah. yeah. Let people believe what they want. Shannon agrees. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> don't kill religious leaders like that. I well, I mean, it, it, they wouldn't murder them, but no. the, it would, it's that when they died, you know, they were supposed to be reincarnated. Um, and, you know, there's an elaborate process where the monks selected the reincarnated Lama. And there are a variety of lamas. It's not just the Dalai Lama, but the Chinese authorities just saying, no, 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 no. We'll know yep. who the next one is. You don't know who and the next is one is. crazy. That is so scary. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's a, it's a kind of atheistic theocracy. It's so strange, too, because like we're dealing with a lot of crazy stuff right now in America based off of religion, but it's like the exact opposite problem. And I can't even picture a like a government where they don't talk about religion at all. And then they're trying to push for one that like totally doesn't talk about religion in any sense. Yeah. I I wouldn't call this separation of church and state insofar as for the Chinese, there is no religion. There is no church. So there can't be a separation because they're telling you what to believe. It's like the exact opposite because now we're trying to put Christianity back into like literally everything. And then they're trying to literally take care of like, get rid of everything. Like that's insane. So they basically view religion as a threat to Yes, Power. atheism is the state religion, essentially. Okay. So, and I, I view atheism as a religion. It's a belief system, for sure. Mm-hmm. So they're imposing atheism in the, yeah, I guess in the same way that we view the court system imposing a certain variety of Christianity on the U.S. I don't know if that's a hot take. I think everybody just understands that that's what's happening. You may like it or you may dislike it, but it's pretty much what's happening. In the United States, anyway. And it is what's happening in China, too, and has been what's happening in China, in 1994 that's crazy yeah i just uh, had no idea that they were that against religion i had no i mean i didn't know what they oh, yeah. believed in at all but i didn't realize that they were like like we're gonna kill god <laughs> actively yeah christians too muslims yeah absolutely no yeah yeah hundreds were killed in tibet thousands were jailed in 94 Zhang implemented a policy of grasping with both hands which is as horrible as it sounds to instill communist ideals in tibetans in other words he would grasp the tibetans with both hands Hmm. Uh, the Dalai Lama called this a program of cultural genocide. Mm-hmm. Not literal genocide, but cultural genocide. I mean, stamping out Tibetan belief enough. system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, people are dying for sure. Yeah. The following year, he, he had the Panchen Lama, uh, Gedhun uh, Choeki Naima, arrested and in 1996 banned all images of the Dalai Lama in Tibet. These policies were carried out by none other than Hu Jintao, the Chinese Communist Party secretary of Tibet at the time who became president of China from 2002 to 2013. So think about that. The current, the president of the 90s 
is replaced by the guy whose job it was to stamp out religion in Tibet. Hmm. That goes to show you the importance of religious oppression in Tibet to the party's overall goals. Wow. He was doing the party's most important work to their mind. When it came time to pick a president, they were like, we want the guy who was in Tibet. And the cultural genocide implemented against the Tibetans speaks back to a similar effort undertaken against Falun Gong, our subject for the day. Tibet and the Tiananmen Square massacre form the background then for the conflict between the CCP and the Falun Gong, the Communist Party. Falun Gong believers' uh, choice to stage a mass protest as peaceful and seemingly sedate as it seemed was actually a very bold act in China. Large public demonstrations were not popular in Beijing because the government's because of the government's response to the 1989 uh, Tiananmen Square protests, which resulted in hundreds of deaths. That's hundreds of deaths by Chinese estimates. Chinese government estimated that in that encounter, 300 had died. However, the Chinese Red Cross and the Swiss ambassador put the number up above 2,000. Oh my God. That's how much of a gap there is in trying to understand exactly what goes on with the Chinese government. Falun Gong fared no better with its protest a decade later. Rather than prompting a greater freedom for Falun Gong, the April 99 protest incensed the Communist Party and led to a crackdown. A special task force was created on the 10th of June called the 610 Office for June 10. They weren't very creative about names. <laughs> what should we call this office? Well, what's today? <laughs> what, sh- what should we call our child? What's the date? <laughs> this is little June 3rd. Yeah. Oh, hey. It's summertime. Hey, summer. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. They confiscated millions of cassettes and videotapes and books about Falun Gong. Active members who refused to renounce their beliefs were sent to prison and also labor re-education camps. Associates were isolated and watched by friends, family, and co-workers. This is the other thing the communist government does. They make you, you know, they, they make, they put you on notice because your friends and family will turn you in. Wow. Because if they don't turn you in, they'll be on the line. Mm-hmm. Mm. So Damn. you live in a police state. Those who continued to maintain their allegiance to Falun Gong were dismissed from their jobs, had their salaries, retirement funds cut. Even hoteliers and others who rented rooms to visiting members of the sect in Beijing were fined or run out of business. You know, if you, if you like, put them, yeah. put them up so they could protest. Yeah. Yep. After police arrested 70 people they considered to be leaders of the movement, 30,000 Falun Gong members staged protests across the country. The police issued a warrant for Li Hongxi's arrest, charging him with publishing heretical materials, causing a mass disturbance, and being an agent of the United States Central Intelligence Agency. <laughs> yeah, CIA. The gov- so, I guess so in the government's... Were- they wanted. They were like the CIA is trying to put religion back in China. Yeah, they believe the CIA invented or was abetting Falun Gong. Whoa. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's possible, but that really wasn't the intention of the movement. Mm-hmm. I mean, the people protesting kind of sound like like badass. I yeah, mean, like, they are. They knew that they were going to get. They knew <laughs> like totally rocked. Yeah, like, but they did it anyway. That's admirable. Yeah, deeply brave. Yeah, it's really standing up for what you believe in. The government accused Falun Gong of causing members to become mentally deranged, leading to suicide, murder, or attacks on the government prompted by mind control, which we've already argued against in this show. 
In an accusation akin to those made against Christian scientists, among others, the government said Falun Gong discouraged its members from seeking medical treatment leading to their deaths. They told a story of a farmer in Henan province who suffered from a heart condition, but threw away his medicines and worshipped Lee's picture instead. Suicide was a more public affair and uh, difficult to dispute, although Lee was officially against the practice. Self-immolations, hunger strikes, and mass hangings were a feature of Falun Gong protests against government persecution. Most unusual uh, were the charges of murder made by the government against Falun Gong members. Those murders generally were a result of domestic violence, and those charges were, of course, against Falun Gong believers. A a good girl who studied hard at school believed her neighbor had insulted her in her dreams, so she broke into his house and stabbed him to death. Oh, my God. Young man with a Falun Gong addiction stabbed his father 17 times, believing him to be a devil. 36-year-old clerk killed his wife with a kitchen knife when she tried to keep him from his Falun Gong practice. Graduate student in Hebei province believed his parents were demons and, like the others, murdered them with a knife. And a 29-year-old practitioner axed his uncle to death on the belief that the uncle was plotting to kill him. In total, the Chinese blamed Falun Gong for 1,660 deaths. I just want to point out, this is what is being said about Falun Gong. Mm -hmm. How much of it is true? Maybe none. Maybe some of these, you know, cases are true. They're pretty isolated incidents. They don't seem to relate to anything else. Um... But it's easy to create a moral panic around this. Mm-hmm. And that's what the government is essentially doing. We see this with Russia and Ukraine. I mean, a government that wants to promote a message, any institution that wants to promote a particular message, can uh, twist events to serve their purpose. Throughout the year 2000, Falun Gong staged a series of protests in Beijing, with groups ranging in size from a couple dozen to a few hundred. They held signs that said, Falun Gong is not an evil cult. Pretty much straight to the point. Also, truth, compassion, tolerance, the main principles of Falun Gong. Mm -hmm. Lee encouraged these demonstrations and told his followers that their fight with the state was leading up to an apocalyptic consummation in which his believers would leave presumably in a kind of rapture, while those who persecuted them would be destroyed by the gods. Reminds us a little bit of the ghost dance. Uh, Yeah, of course, Christian rapture believes, but Mm -hmm. classic millenarian ideology. The following year, small groups of members began self-immolating or dousing themselves in gasoline and setting themselves on fire. The first of these protests involved five people and took place on the eve of the Lunar New Year in Tiananmen Square, The Chinese government upheld these suicides as proof that Falun Gong was dangerous, but Li officially opposed all forms of violence and suicide in his teachings. Mm -hmm. Official Official Falun Gong leaders vanished and were replaced by facilitators and tutors who hid more easily from the authorities in the long Chinese tradition of secret societies. So they sort of became like the White Lotus Society or the Red Lanterns. They moved in the shadows, Mm. opposing the establishment Mm. government. Again, very badass, Shannon. <laughs> Brave, right? Yeah. Because yeah. anyone could turn you in. Yeah. So I think there's also an appetite for dissent in China. You know, there always has been. For thousands of years, there's been an appetite for dissent, even though the Chinese have historically been very good at suppressing dissent. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you have so many rules, it's always going to make people want to break them. Yep. Yep. 
By 2001, roughly 830,000 members of Falun Gong had been arrested in Beijing. Detained members continued to protest with hunger strikes and attempted group suicide. According to a UN report on freedom of religion by 2006, many of China's prisoners of conscience and roughly two-thirds of torture victims were members of Falun Gong. Let me say that again. Roughly two-thirds of the torture victims in China. All the torture victims. Think about the people China tortures. They were Falun Gong members. The methods of torture included... Beating with sticks and batons, use of electric shock batons, cigarette burns, hooding, blindfolding, guard-instructed or permitted beatings by fellow prisoners, use of handcuffs or ankle fetters for extended periods, including in solitary confinement or secure holding areas, submersion in pits of water or sewage, exposure to conditions of extreme heat or cold, being forced to maintain uncomfortable positions such as sitting, squatting, lying down, or standing for long periods of time, sometimes with objects held under arms, deprivation of sleep, food, or water, prolonged solitary confinement, denial of medical treatment and medication, hard labor, suspension from overhead fixtures with handcuffs. Oh, my goodness. Ouch. Horrible, horrible physical torture. 3,006 people had died either from stress caused by constant harassment, mistreatment, torture in detention facilities, which resulted in them dying on being released, or died while being tortured in the detention facilities. So they could torture the heck out of you and let you go, and then you die. And the Chinese government can say, well, we didn't kill him. Mm. But you died as a result of essentially your injuries. Yeah. I mean, and the psychological torment. Yeah. Oh, my God. Perhaps the most extreme allegations against the Chinese state involves the harvesting of organs from detained Falun Gong members. While they were still alive? Yes, yes. Claims suggest that organs were taken from patients while they were alive and then used for organ transplants. This is what I saw in D.C. I I saw Falun Gong members essentially telling this story. Hmm. Those who died as a result of these operations were never shown to their families and often quickly cremated to hide any evidence of wrongdoing. Since China prosecutes whistleblowers on human rights abuses and does not allow organizations like the Red Cross access to prisoners, these stories are very difficult to corroborate. So mm-hmm. Falun Gong tells these tales, but in fairness and all honesty, we have a very hard time determining whether it happened, whether it, it has happened or not. Mm. All that having been said, in 2006, Chinese Deputy Health Minister Huang Jiefu acknowledged that prisoners sentenced to death were often used for organ harvesting. That's any prisoners. Mm-hmm. And some family members who were allowed to retrieve the bodies of loved ones who died in detention centers reported strange scarring and body parts missing on the corpses of their loved ones. Hmm. While these autopsies uh, might account for this, while while autopsies, suppose they did an autopsy. So let's imagine we're the Chinese state and we're trying to say, well, no, 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 no. We didn't harvest their organs. We just conducted an autopsy. That's why you see stitched up body parts. However, it makes very little sense to autopsy a person who was beaten to death in a detention center. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If my, you know, uh, corrections folks just beat you to death, I don't need to go ask a doctor how you died. Yeah. Because that's the only died. reason to do an autopsy, right? Is to, just right. to figure out how somebody died. And so, yet, that's 
you got beaten to death in the prison and there's weird scarring on your body and we did an autopsy on you. Or is it, were they like trying to find some sort of other reason to put the blame on why they died so they don't look bad for beating them? Uh, that's possible, yeah. But they, it seems like they may have harvested their organs. Yeah. Officials and doctors have also admitted to providing or receiving organs from Falun Gong prisoners. Hmm. So that's the third you know, piece of evidence that seems to support this idea. All right, so... We've covered the conversation about Falun Gong and China, which which certainly puts Falun Gong in the position of uh, a sympathetic victim. Yeah. Yes, I would argue yes. Now I need to change the conversation a bit because Falun Gong has been in America for quite a while, and mm-hmm. Falun Gong has um, taken a place on the world stage. We can't forget that Falun Gong claims to have millions of adherents. So it it has some power, some punch to it. Yeah, well, and especially with the the stories, like those pretty horrific stories too, oh, yeah, that gains yeah. a lot of traction, even for people like don't, who don't believe in it, like me. I'm like, oh god, I didn't know what those people went through. So I I, I want to talk about the two ways now that Falun Gong has um, inserted itself into Western culture. Okay. The first one is is a newspaper. So I got to say that the, the story of Falun Gong takes a, a, a strange turn here. Although, you know, I, I think it's a somewhat predictable turn. Um, in its loosely affiliated paper, The Epoch Times. Maybe you've seen The Epoch Times circulating on, you know, Facebook or Twitter or, or whatever. Um, people reposting these articles uh, it's, a, it's, it's sort of a big deal, I guess, on the internet. Not the biggest of deals, but it is a deal. To be clear, the newspaper denies any affiliation to Falun Gong, although there are a number of ties to Falun Gong, including the fact that the newspaper features prominent advertisements for Falun Gong's international performance group, Shen Yun. Wait, Falun Gong owns Shen Yu? Okay, so yes, <laughs> we're not going to... Put a pin in that. Okay. Yes, I know you and I now only want to talk about Shen yeah. Yun, but <laughs> I've always wanted to see that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you may not feel that way when we're done. <laughs> oh no! But yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see. I don't want to scare anyone away from Shen Yun. Anyway, let's get back to the Epoch Times. So, newspaper, big internet presence. The paper had been created at least in part to oppose Chinese Communist Party ideology and Chinese human rights abuses, including those perpetrated by the Chinese Communist Party against Falun Gong. We just did that whole thing about the organs. So uh, this, again, makes it feel a little bit like this is an organ. Oh, boy. Uh, That's a misuse of a word, I guess. It's not a misuse, but it's an extension (laughs) of Falun Gong. In 2016, because it's very interested in, in the Falun Gong atrocities. Yeah. Right? Oh, and, yeah. And they struggle, I think, to get adequate press coverage. But here... Well, because it's constantly be trying... It's trying to be hidden, too. So. Right, right. But here, the Epoch Times is all over the, the thing. So in 2016, the paper's anti-communism led it to take an increasingly far-right stance. Oh, no. I mean, think about it. The communists are identified with the left, right? At at its worst, the left is accused of communist ideology. Mm. Uh, So the Epoch Times is going to drift right. So it supported the presidency of Donald Trump in the United States and also Marine Le Pen in France. Those of you who are not familiar with French politics, the Le Pens uh, are are a prominent far-rightist group 
uh, going back uh, generations. They also supported far rightists in Germany. Building oh, on a, was it? I said, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Building on a, a culture of, of conspiracy theorizing developed around Falun Gong's arch enemy, Zheng Zemin, they promoted belief in QAnon-style Clinton-Obama conspiracy theory in the U.S. to bring down Donald Trump. So the Epoch Times is saying that, you know, the liberals are, you know, trying to scheme behind Trump's back. Oh. During the presidency. Oh, so they weren't saying stuff about Trump. They weren't trying to bring down Trump. They no. were saying people are trying to bring yeah, down yeah, Trump. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Very QE. So uh, I want to say one more time that there isn't an official connection between Falun Gong and the Epoch Times. But there's also a logic to the paper's ideology and Falun Gong's history. Trump was very anti-China, had a strong anti-Chinese Communist Party stance, sparred with them over trade, sparred with them over COVID, blamed them for COVID. This certainly would endear him to a movement violently persecuted by the Chinese Communist Party. But the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Mm -hmm. But I think it goes a little bit beyond that because... Q and QAnon's millenarian belief that Donald Trump would be an agent of an apocalyptic storm also jives a whole lot with Falun Gong's belief that the end of the world is coming. In fact, that it's near. So, you see, they're both touting a millenarian message that mm. we're at the end of days. So, at the very least, these seem like Falun Gong and QAnon seems like they should at least get together and talk out their similarities. Mm, I mean, they no. shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to imagine that conversation, no. but but it, it feels like a thing that's happening. The Epoch Times has become an increasingly radioactive presence on the internet, and it has actually it, it had its advertising banned from both Facebook and YouTube in 2019. So, our tech overlords got a little annoyed with the Falun Gongs, violated the policies. We got them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not Falun Gong, that Epoch Times. The right. Oh. Okay. So... Why do they always, like... So they want Donald Trump to usher... Not Falun Gong, but QAnon wants, them, wants Trump to usher in an apocalypse? Yeah, did you not do my Q episode of somebody else doing Q? I don't remember Yeah, he, the, the, the storm. It's called the storm. I mean, it's a little late now but for the not... storm. We missed the storm, but yeah, he was supposed to... <laughs> oh, I did know about that. ...clean out the government. <laughs> you know, oh, so it was an apocalypse for all the people that they don't like. Yeah. Put and the, they were fine. Put the Bidens in jail and the Obamas and the Clintons and, and you know... Okay. Then so paradise the would reign storm. on earth. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yep. I thought they meant that they, like, they just wanted him to destroy the world. And I'm like, that seems appropriate for what he was doing. But <laughs> Falun Gong, yes, does have a different picture, I guess, of the end time. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe their attitude toward Donald Trump is not as um, confusing as we think. But okay, so Shen Yun. No, yes, I almost <laughs> forgot. Let's, let's spare a few words at the end of the episode here for Shen Yun, whose posters with that leaping Chinese dancer you very likely seen if you've spent regular time in a major city in the United States. Or as Savannah spends much time at performance venues, you may have seen Shen Yun coming to those venues. Yeah. So. I've seen videos, like at the Hippodrome, sometimes they'll play videos and stuff like that. And it's always like a bunch of white people being like, wow, this was amazing. And then it shows a clip of them like spinning and then it's like, it's beautiful. <laughs> 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 the videos are very weird. 
It's, it, there's a lot of acrobatics. And yeah, I mean, it looks fascinating. I mean, the way that people can move like that, but classic Chinese uh, performance style Beijing opera kind of things. I mean, they're incorporated into Beijing opera. They're not singing Beijing opera mm-hmm. at you, I don't think, but... Um, it so didn't seem like it from some the, the promotional yeah. videos that I've seen. There are elements of Chinese performance culture, particularly the acrobatics, and they like to work with fabrics and stuff that uh, Western audiences just eat right up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then when they start to sing, no, we're not, not generally into no. that. <laughs> so, anyhow, Shen Yun... Uh, has a much more obvious tie to Falun Gong because Shen Yun's operations are actually based on Falun Gong's compound in Deer Park, New York. So Falun Gong, uh, Lee, has a, has a compound in Deer Park, and that's where Shen Yun rehearses. That's crazy. (laughs) What? Falun Gong headquarters is also Shen Yun headquarters. They are the same place. That makes me a little worried. The word compound also is like (laughs) not a great word to use. And then the fact that like they seem so brainwashed because they all have to have the exact same movements at the exact same time. It feels kind of strange. (laughs) Well, I have to be honest with you. Should we garner enough patrons, I will most definitely establish a compound. Oh, yeah. We've already talked about that. Goes without saying. But we, yes. we were like, we could use my grandparents' backyard. It's pretty big. <laughs> the compound. They'd probably be cool with it. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow. Um, but yeah, yeah. So we're not talking about like, you know, Shen Yun is rehearsing in the the next door to Falun Gong. They just no. happen to both be in Deer Park, New York. No. <laughs> they are literally on the same, same ground. Whoa. So it is also the case that shen yun performances are booked and promoted by shen yun itself now this is a little bit of nerdy theater talk um but often you know if, if you're like a i don't know a touring musician or something you'll be booked into a space and part of the arrangement is that the space will market your show but shen yun is it's is like its own thing it rents out the theater and then it markets itself weird yeah i didn't realize that I mean, it's not totally unusual in the theater world. If you have a you know a popular act, you might do that. You might rent a theater, and I've rented theaters in the past to do different kinds of shows. But um, they they basically are handling their own operation, even though they're at these large venues. So it's a big dollar amount that they're they're putting out. And they put up a ton of billboards. They do. There's still one when I drive to Essex to visit my friend Maddie. Um, I see one every time, and it's like, and it was like coming 2019 because it was right before COVID. Still coming. Yep. Uh, well, you know, maybe time will start going backwards after the apocalypse, and oh, then they'll be back. There we go, and I can go see it. So, <laughs> Falun Gong organizations, local Falun Gong organizations. So there's the headquarters in Deer Park, but there's local Falun Gong organizations all around the Western world. The local chapter is generally who supports and pays for all that marketing that you see when Shen Yun comes to town. <laughs> oh my God. And Lee, Lee has been, uh, he's reticent. He doesn't speak specifically on Epoch Times, but when it comes to Shen Yun, he has talked about Shen Yun performances, telling his followers to help bring out the crowds for the Shen Yun shows and also to downplay Shen Yun's connection to Falun Gong. Whoa! Because I think he understands that the intricacies of Falun Gong belief may make Shen Yun less appealing to a broad Western audience. But they believe that the Shen Yun performances are elevating us spiritually. So they, they don't want to turn us off 
Oh, they yeah. believe that it's making us like it's good for us. non-believers more enlightened. Correct. Yeah. Oh, yeah. does it? I don't. I mean, I've never seen it. Obviously, to me, it seems like it was just like dancing and acrobatics. But like, do they talk? Like, do they talk about Falun Gong and stuff? I'm going to get there. Oh my god! It is a lot of that, though. It is a lot of so good. They are actively opposed, also by Chinese diplomats. So when Shen Yun <laughs> comes to town. The Chinese embassy in London or Washington, D.C. is going to kick out a little diplomat who's going to run down the street to that theater, knock on the door and say, uh, we really would prefer that you not host Shen Yun here. Whoa. Yeah. What in the world? <laughs> this is crazy. So the goal of Shen Yun, getting to the content, is to perform a version of Chinese culture that predates communism. So their view is that communism has corrupted Chinese culture. So they want to give you classic Chinese culture, classic scenes from traditional Chinese epics like Journey to the West, which is where we know the Monkey King from. Mm -hmm. Uh, For example, um, Shen Yun performs scenes also, however, in addition to this traditional Chinese fair about the persecution of... Falun Gong members in China. Oh, yes. wow. So you'll be watching the Monkey King and having a grand old time. And there's acrobatics he's and all that. peaches and stuff. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, he's eating them immortal peaches. And then all of a sudden, in comes these Chinese communist characters to persecute some Falun Gong people. Yeah. Ooh. Shen Yun has actually been criticized for promoting less than subtle messages opposing atheism, the theory of evolution, homosexuality, and... Remember from the earlier part of the episode here, promoting segregation in sexual reproduction. Remember that little bit of racism in Lee's ideology Ooh. that Chinese have sex with Chinese. That is so strange. Whites with whites on and on. Yeah. I genuinely thought that it was just like a dance thing, like dance acrobatics thing. I had no idea. That is yeah. crazy. Some people, like, like, it is true that people will go to the Shen Yun show and they'll be like, ah, yes, I was so enlightened by Chinese culture. But some people walk out annoyed that they were just pitched this cult. Oh, that would have been me. I would have been pissed <laughs> <laughs> if I left that. From my understanding, though, from my research, I uh, discovered that Falun Gong, there's a couple of different takes on this. Some commentators believe that the different uh, Shen Yun troops just have different ways of performing and different ideologies. However, others think that like a Shen Yun performance in Dallas, Texas or San Antonio or Houston is going to be very different from a Falun Gong performance in Toronto. Well, because they could be more racist in Texas, can't they? <laughs> in theory, yeah. And we, is that what they're getting at? There is like... may be. So the homosexual, you know, it's very um, oh subtle. You'll just see like the enemies of, you know, the future or the enemies of the good people. There just happen to be two guys holding hands among them. Oh, my God. Uh, okay, that's so you enough. don't think that's subtle, but that's yeah. That's not subtle at all. It's not like, you, you know. You have like two bad guys come in who are like, we're going to destroy the world, and then they give each other a little kiss first, and then they go <laughs> destroy the world. Like, that's not subtle at all. It's a little bit more like 15 bad guys come in, and two of them just so happen to be, you know, chicks making out. Okay. <laughs> I guess that's slightly more subtle, it's, but it's yeah. still really strange. Others are, I don't know, holding 
Darwin's theory of evolution and others are I, I don't even know I don't know how they get to all these things but it, it's it's sort of like you could miss it I guess if you're not paying close attention mm, we but need it's to, there I kind of want to see it now but we can't pay for it we gotta like sneak in somehow get some Shen Yun well maybe I don't know maybe they'll hear this episode and decide to if we were us. friendly enough to Falun no, Gong that we not. deserve <laughs> not after this <laughs> well I want to give the full picture I, I mean the recent history with the Epoch Times and Shen Yun complicates our understanding of Falun Gong but in my opinion, it should not discount the suffering that these people have endured. Yes. Or, as we've mentioned, the bravery they've exhibited in their home country. We may not agree with everything they believe, uh, but I hope we can all agree on their right to believe as they choose without government interference and to fool us into going to Shen Yun performances <laughs> if they can do it. Like They if, almost got me, those bastards. Yeah, if you don't do your research in advance, then you get what you get. Yeah. <laughs> That is wild. <laughs> Our sources today include Maria Hsia Shang's Falun Gong, The End of Days, Bloody Harvest, revised report into allegations of organ, ha- organ harvesting of Falun Gong practitioners in China by David Matas. Um, those are the ones I want to highlight anyway. If you're interested in this topic, uh, go ahead and check those out. All right, bring us on home. Who wants to bring us home? It's always a tense moment. <laughs> oh. I hereby adjourn and declare close this meeting of alchemical actors until such a time as we get together and do it again. You want to provide support there, Shen? Woo! (laughs) (laughs) Thank you! All right, so no voice actors today, but I do want to thank Shannon Landers, our Instaquisitor. Bye, guys. <laughs> like doing tiny little golf claps. Golf I don't claps. know why. Felt appropriate. For them. For folks who listen. Listeners at home yeah. and my parallel self. Good job. <laughs> and our live studio audience. Yeah. It's a fan of a red sister, the 84th degree. Uh, goodbye. Be kind to each other. Yeah, for sure. My name is Dr. Robert C. Thompson. Uh, coming to you next time uh, with the story of Malcolm X. And, uh, you know the nation of islam uh so a little bit more a little bit more danger a little bit more violence um but you know it's important to get to the heart of these matters here on occult confessions